Welcome tech enthusiasts to What The Tech, the podcast sponsored by ProServe IT, your trusted source for all things tech. This podcast is part of our exciting series on infrastructure, where we unravel the mysteries of the digital world. Hold on tight because we're diving deep into Azure Virtual Desktop and Windows 365 in this episode. You'll discover how these cloud solutions transform how businesses manage their desktop environments and will provide a sneak peek into their incredible flexibility. So whether you're an IT pro, a tech enthusiast, or just curious about the latest tech innovations, you're in the right place. Let's get started. Good afternoon, everybody. So thank you for joining us this afternoon for our third session here in our series. From an agenda perspective today, we're going to talk through Microsoft Cloud Desktop Solutions at a high level. Then we're going to dive into Windows 365 and Azure Virtual Desktop, follow up with choosing the best option and go through some next steps. As many of you are likely aware, the need for end user or remote end user computing has continued to grow and grow. We've always had users who, or organizations have always had some users who typically work remote, who need that remote access in the environment. But obviously through the pandemic and post-pandemic, this becomes far more prevalent. So Microsoft has put together some solutions to help address this challenge. Right? So this helps us with both remote users. It helps us with securing our data, especially again, if we're geographically distributed, maybe we have outside contractors, stuff we need to be able to work within our environment. Being able to lock things down is important. We want to ensure that we have the right resources available for users to do the jobs they need to do. BYOC or BYOPC, you know, there's something that we're seeing more and more. Organizations are starting to allow users to either purchase or leverage your own existing computers. But again, we still want to ensure we have a secure environment. And so providing a virtual desktop environment that is corporate owned and managed can often make a lot of sense. And then some of our other traditional scenarios, things like disaster recovery, being able to support that if our primary office goes down, for example, supporting temporary workforces where it doesn't necessarily make sense to provision that new PC, especially nowadays, given some of the supply chain challenges. And the things like mergers and acquisitions, where you want to get staff up and running in a timely fashion. Challenges that we often see when trying to deal with this type of, these types of scenarios are things like employee experience and productivity. It's great that we can build solutions that are secure, that are robust, but also ultimately a lot of it comes down to providing a positive end user experience. And we want to ensure that whatever solution we put in place is minimally impactful on that user's day-to-day productivity. At the same time, we want to worry about data security and compliance. We want to ensure that corporate data is not leaving the environment or being used in ways that we didn't anticipate or that we don't authorize. That's not being distributed instead of our core environment. Where a virtual desktop, which is more of a sandboxed environment, can make a lot of sense. VPNs, data center capacity, and performance issues. So VPNs are one of those things that have been a pain point for IT organizations for a very long time. So it's traditionally been our best mechanism for allowing remote users into our environment. But it's just another technology that we need to be able to support, that we need to be able to troubleshoot and manage. So being able to move away from that is fantastic. And then when we talk about data center capacity and performance, you know, traditional data center, we're constrained physical hardware, right? We only have the resources available to us that are physically there and present on, on that server environment. By moving to the cloud, we eliminate that. And it gives us a lot more flexibility in how we provision and how we scale based off of needs. And then lastly, budget, skills, and resource constraints. With, from a budget perspective, one of the nice things with a cloud solution is it's typically OPEX-driven. So we're not looking at large capital investments up front on day one to build the infrastructure out. We're building what we need to support today, knowing that we can grow this very quickly as our needs continue to evolve. 
And we're only paying for what we use, not what we think we might need over the course of the next 12, 24, or 36 months. From a skills perspective, some of us already have expertise around various solutions like remote desktop services or Citrix or VMware Horizon. Because this is Azure-based and it follows a common uh, management portal, even if you don't necessarily have a great foundation in VDI historically or virtual desktop infrastructure, it's fairly easy to, it can be relatively easy to pick it up in an Azure world or far easier than it would be to build from the ground up on prem. And then same with resource constraints. Again, we're all typically overworked and underpaid and try to find enough hours in the day to complete all the tasks available to us. So being able to allocate resources to support these types of environments can be a challenge. And that's where, again, a cloud solution can come into play and provide a little bit of, a little more flexibility in how we actually manage things. So given that we do have this hybrid work or remote work scenario, Microsoft has introduced a number of different options to help support the user community and the customer base. So we are going to specifically talk about Windows 11 in a lot of these slides, but a lot of the same information is applicable either to Windows 10 or 11, such as for those who might not be ready to move to Windows 11 yet today. But when we talk about Windows, Windows as an operating system, we have a couple of different ways in which we can present this to our users. So we begin to use our traditional model where we're natively on a PC or a tablet. We have the ability to leverage cloud VDI with Azure Virtual Desktop, which we'll talk through. And then we have our cloud PC, which is our Windows 365 experience. For a lot of organizations, there are some challenges in determining sort of what the right solution is for you. And a lot of it's going to come down to your specific business case and what you're looking to achieve. You can see with Windows 365 and Azure Virtual Desktop, there are a number of benefits associated with things like secure work on personal PCs, easy onboarding, offboarding, it's just a common virtual machine that we're just allocating licensing to for Windows 365, buying, deploying, managing. It's very quick and very turnkey, which is one of the real appeals of Windows 365. And because we're basically leveraging a SaaS solution, we're really not having to worry a lot about special skills or training and such because Microsoft is managing all the underlying infrastructure and we're just managing that top, top layer. And again, because in the cloud, we can quickly scale and resize based off of needs. When we look to Azure Virtual Desktop, for some organizations, this makes sense from a standpoint of, so you already have a VDI infrastructure on-prem. Maybe you have remote desktop services or Citrix Zen or VMware Horizon. When you want to be able to continue to leverage those investments, these are possible with Azure Virtual Desktop. And even though Azure Virtual Desktop is a Windows 10 or 11 based environment, there's a lot of commonality with other VDI solutions like RDS or remote desktop services. And so you're able to leverage the existing experience and subjects you already have. One of the other things Azure Virtual Desktop allows us to do is publish remote applications. And this can be great for organizations where maybe it doesn't make sense to publish a full-blown desktop to a user. Maybe there's only a key application or a couple key applications that you want to present to the users. And we have that type of flexibility in Azure Virtual Desktop. So we're going to dive in a little bit more into Windows 365, and then we'll talk to Azure Virtual Desktop after. So Windows 365 is designed around that hybrid workforce requirement. As mentioned, it is a SaaS offering. So software as a service. We're really, Microsoft is managing all of the infrastructure around that VM. You have access to the virtual machine itself from the inside. So you can install whatever applications you need. You can apply policies, you can manage. But anything that's outside of that VM, you're offloading to Microsoft, which can make things very easy. Because this is a SaaS offering, or because we're building this out at a one-to-one -one scenario, we're able to personalize our environment. So each user is going to get their own unique desktop experience, makes it easy and allows users to, or organizations to deploy the applications, contents, the settings that are required for that user. And then obviously your Microsoft Cloud services as well. As noted, we've got scalability. With Microsoft Cloud, the benefit, or one of the key benefits is 
we can scale to whatever we need. If we find that a user is resource constrained and we need to double the resources or quadruple the resources, it's a simple reboot. The same is true if we need to have the resources. So there's a lot of flexibility there to scale based off of the individual user needs. From a simplicity perspective, for our SMB or our business model, we have a single portal, windows365.microsoft.com, where all of our management activities happen. As we step up into our enterprise space, we're leveraging Microsoft Endpoint Manager, which a lot of organizations are already leveraging to support their existing IT infrastructure. And then lastly, from a security standpoint, we're taking advantage of all the capabilities here within Windows 11. As I'm sure many of you are aware, Windows 11 introduced a number of enhanced security components that weren't available in Windows 10. But in this scenario, without having to really understand or set those up, we're able to take advantage of those security benefits as they're natively integrated into the virtual desktop. Not surprisingly, Windows 365 is designed to work seamlessly with Microsoft Cloud Solution. So Windows 365, from an identity perspective, is completely tied around your Azure Active Directory identity. So most of us, if we're already Office 365 users, for example, have that Azure Active Directory identity already existing. This just allows us to leverage that existing identity to access our Windows 365 desktop. If you've made investments in Microsoft Defender, those can be extended to support these virtual PCs as well. Microsoft Endpoint Manager, as noted, with our enterprise SKUs, we can manage and support these desktops the same as we would any other physical or virtual desktop that we might have inside of our environment. And then naturally, Microsoft 365 apps, so Word, Outlook, OneDrive, Teams, and such. It's really optimized to support those, those as well. So benefits of Windows 365 Cloud PC, it gives you content wherever you go, right? Whether you're in the office, at home, at a Starbucks, on a beach, as long as you have some form of internet connectivity, you have the ability to access all of your content. We have the ability to scale it and build out the environment specific to our users. So we don't need to be homogenous where everybody has the exact same configuration. We can tailor and customize each and every individual desktop on a per user basis to meet their specific needs. Because this does tie into a cloud platform, we have consistent settings across the board, which makes it far easier for us to manage and far less things that we need to be able to support. Applications, again, whether we're locally installing, whether we're leveraging endpoint management or another solution, we can integrate this into our existing processes to push the applications that we require. And then scalability, I mentioned whether it's compute or storage, you have a great deal of flexibility in what that configuration for that specific cloud PC is going to look like. And that's you we're able to take advantage of all the unified security and identity management components that Microsoft introduced. So if we have, again, our Azure trajectory for leveraging MSA, for leveraging as a conditional access, you know, some of these components can be leveraged to, to, to expand and support our cloud PC environment as well. As briefly noted, so there are two flavors to Windows 365. There's our business SKU and our enterprise SKU. So business SKU basically aligns with Microsoft's, Microsoft 365 licensing, where we have business and enterprise SKUs as well. It's typically geared towards organizations that are under 300 seats. But the benefit of Windows 365 business is it's a turnkey solution. So we don't need any on-prem infrastructure. We don't need anything outside of that Azure AD credential and an applicable Windows 365 license. But it makes it very easy to provision a user and have them up and operating within a matter of minutes, just like we're doing that Windows 365 portal. When we switch to the enterprise SKU, so here we have a little more flexibility, a little more control. So we're still providing that same desktop experience. We are now managing through Microsoft Endpoint Manager. So we have a, a more robust management solution in place. There are some additional licensing requirements that we'll need to look at. Specifically, we want to make sure, again, if this device or user is going to be supported by Endpoint Manager, for example, we need to make sure that we have that applicable license. With Windows 365 Enterprise, we have the ability to either Azure AD join or hybrid join. 
So if we still have on-prem active directory infrastructure with the enterprise SKU, we can actually tie in and support that. We also support a range of images. So Microsoft has published a number of gallery-based images, but we also have the ability to leverage customer-provided images. So if you have an existing gold image that you use to support your business, and you want that to be the foundation of your Windows 365 desktop, that's possible. We've rich reporting and actionable insights. It gives us great visibility of what's actually happening. And this can be really important in a cloud environment where we don't necessarily have control from an end-to-end perspective. Having the details being able to present to us to help troubleshoot our users and help us understand how that environment is working is important. And because this is enterprise, we have an unlimited number of users. When we look at features, there's a lot of commonality between them, but as you can see, Windows 365 Enterprise does provide a lot of additional benefits and additional value. Windows 365 business is really designed, like I said, either for smaller organizations that may not have dependencies or on-prem, or for use cases where you want to spin up a desktop that's simple to manage. Maybe you're an entire SaaS-based organization, so everything you do is in the cloud. Now, Windows 365 business would be a great example of a, of a desktop solution to meet that need. We all of our cloud applications, we don't need to install a lot on the actual desktop itself. There's minimal applications and such to support or control. At least because we don't tie back into any on-prem infrastructure, it's very easy, very seamless, and very quick to spin up. Enterprise, again, has like more of those robust features. We have things like cloud save and universal print and the ability to use custom images and, and different management solutions and such. And this gives us a lot more control. It still gives us a fixed desktop per user per month but give, allows us to integrate it more, more closely into our existing infrastructure to, to keep them as consistent as possible. When we look at deploying, so if we look on the right-hand side, we are leveraging business, Windows 365 business, or we're leveraging something that doesn't require active directory integration. There's really only two, likes, or two steps required. Right? So if we have a new user who's coming on board that we need to provision with Windows 365, we're either allocating that license to the user through the Windows 365 portal or through Microsoft's Endpoint Manager. And then we're tying into our required credentials or our Azure AD credentials. If we are going to run a hybrid scenario, we have a little more of a requirement perspective. So we do need an Azure subscription with our Windows 365 Enterprise SKUs. We, even though it is in a self-contained Microsoft tenant, which is fully managed by Microsoft, with our Enterprise SKUs, we do have the ability to deploy a network adapter or a NIC um, that actually ties into our own Azure environment, which gives those Windows 365 Enterprise PCs access to both our Azure resources as well as our on-prem resources. So we do need that Azure subscription in place in order to facilitate that. We have to support a wide range of all of the various Azure regions. We want to try to ensure that things are as, as close and consolidated as possible with a common region, but we have a lot more flexibility. And then we can leverage hybrid Azure AD join. We're leveraging both Active Directory credentials and Azure Active Directory credentials, as they're going to be different pieces of the process where it's going to either tie into one or the other. But as you can see, if we're looking specifically at the turnkey solution, there's really not much from a deployment perspective. It's a matter of provisioning a license, a couple of clicks, and that user's desktop starts to get spun up and can be available in a very short window of time. One of the things Microsoft has introduced with Windows 365 is what they call their network health check service. So coming from a professional services organization, we recognize there can be challenges with deploying some of these technologies and ensuring that everything is done right. Because this is really designed as more of a turnkey solution and a self-sufficient solution where you don't necessarily need external help in all cases, Microsoft has done a really good job of providing insights into the deployment process 
to help you understand where things went right and where things went wrong. So regardless of whether you're doing an Azure AD joint or a hybrid Azure AD joint, as you start to provision the environment, it will go through this checklist and identify what's passed and what's failed. If you do have an issue and need to troubleshoot, you can quickly identify where the issue was and then provide some or find some guidance on how to mitigate that and then rerun this process again to ensure that everything is successful. This again is hugely beneficial for organizations, specifically that may not have existing either Azure experience or virtual desktop or BDI experience. Now, having this sort of a, an internal checklist that gets built in provision automatically can be really beneficial in helping these organizations ensure this is a successful deployment. With Windows 365 and that you with Azure Virtual Desktop as well, there's a wide range of endpoint devices that we can support. And so we can support Windows Desktop, Microsoft Store clients, Android, iOS and our iPad, Mac OS, or web portal, which we can use to support Linux clients or it can be leveraged in conjunction with any of these others as well. As you can see, we have a couple different, depending on what our endpoint device is, there is a variance in what features are available. Not surprisingly, our Windows desktop experience is our most feature-rich capable, right? It's going to give us that full end-to-end -end experience. And then as we move either to mobile devices or to things like Mac OS, some of the functionality that's available to us does change, but all the core functionality is there. And this still makes it a very viable solution for organizations that might be largely Mac-based or dependent upon tablets or mobile devices for users in the field and such. There's a lot of flexibility built into the solution to support that. And the support for each of these different environments is continuing to evolve over time. Things like you can see for Mac OS, for example, we've got a preview in place for Teams auto video redirection, which is really important for organizations that rely on Teams and want that positive experience. We have that available in Windows Desktop. It's coming to Mac OS. This continues to evolve as Microsoft expands on the different capabilities that each of these different platforms are able to provide. So that's a quick snapshot of Windows 365. Now on the Azure Virtual Desktop. So one of the key differences of Azure Virtual Desktop, and one of the reasons the organizations may choose to pick Azure Virtual Desktop over a Windows 365 environment is the ability to leverage multi-session. So with multi-session, we're able to stack multiple users on a given desktop, right? So when we're in Windows 365, it's a one-to-one -one relationship. So we have 100 users that we want to provision on Windows 365. That means we have 100 virtual machines to support that. In Azure Virtual Desktop, because we have the ability for multi-session, we, maybe we have those same 100 users, but we know because of the resource requirements, we can stack 10 users per desktop. We're now only dealing with 10 desktops that we need to support versus that 100 for Windows 365. So there can be a lot of flexibility and a lot of benefit there. We also have the ability to scale up and scale down with the ability to identify our key business hours where we want the infrastructure up and running the entire time and our non-business hours where we might leave a small subset of ABD or Azure Virtual Desktop up. So if somebody's logged in at 2 a.m. on Sunday, there's a desktop available, but we have the ability to spin the bulk of the infrastructure down. So we're not consuming Azure cost during those periods where we don't need. We are able to do publishing or remote applications. And this can be important for those organizations, like I said, that might have a specific use case that's tied to a given application. This also ties into the Windows 7 component because that has been a roadblock for a number of organizations. If you have that legacy application, that you need in order to run your business. And if it's preventing you from moving forward with either a Windows 10 or a Windows 11 upgrade, leveraging a solution like Azure Virtual Desktop or EVD can be fantastic because it allows us to spin up that Windows 7 environment. We're still a supported scenario, although that actually expires end of January, think of next year. 
But we do have the ability then to spin up that, that remote app, or sorry, that legacy application or that Windows 7 environment, run it in Azure, publish just the application that's tied to that to a user so that 95% of their typical operations are still being handled locally on their PC, but they have that one-off application or that couple of challenging applications that are presented and integrated seamlessly into the start menu. And they can interact with those applications that are locally installed as well. So it's a fairly seamless experience that gives the organizations a lot more flexibility on supporting some of these older environments while still allowing them to actually move forward to gain all the security and feature benefits that Windows 10 and 11 bring to bear. Not surprisingly, Azure Virtual Desktop is optimized for Microsoft 365. So one of the things Azure Virtual Desktop or I'm going to short format the ABD because I use it a little bit for sure. One of the nice things that ABD allows us to do is actually containerize our profile information. One of the biggest challenges that we've seen in the past is if you have a remote desktop services environment or a Citrix or Zen, managing profiles can often be a challenge, especially because you want to be able to provide all that, that feature-rich information that's associated with that user, but you need to present it in a timely fashion. But you'd never know which desktop that user is necessarily going to, going to connect to on a given day. So by leveraging profile containers, we're able to take all the information that's unique to a user, and that would include things like their Outlook OST file or their OneDrive cache or any of the other temp files or Word, like any of those OneDrive synced files. All that content is actually stored on a standalone VHD that's specific to that user that gets attached as part of the login experience. Um, being able to containerize that profile allows us to ensure that it's, again, going to provide that consistent experience all, everything that user has been working on, everything that's unique to that user will always appear in their desktop session, regardless of which desktop they connect to. And this can be a huge benefit in helping ensure that we have a positive end user experience. One of the key things that we've seen in the past with Office 365, sorry, with TDI solutions and Office 365 is, you know, Office 365 in a non-cached state, specifically Outlook, can be a challenge. Organizations that are used to a quick responsiveness when working in Outlook moving from message to message and folder to folder. If you're in a non-cache state, there can definitely be some lags that are introduced with that. So being able to leverage an OST file where the majority of your mailbox is locally available to you can have a huge impact in performance from a user perspective. But supporting that has been a challenge in the past, especially where we might have non-persistent user profiles, where as we end the session, the profile gets deleted and then recreated the next time a user logs in, things clean and organized. But that then poses challenges, things like the OST file. So profile containers is a fantastic way to address that challenge. If you're an existing remote desktop services client, so if you're running Windows Server 2012 or 2 or newer, um, you actually have the ability to port your existing RDS environment into Azure Virtual Desktop. So there's a couple of different reasons that we would look to do that. One of the key ones being security. While we talk a lot about Azure Virtual Desktop as a Windows 10 or Windows 11 desktop experience, for organizations that have already made the investment in RDS, now, there is still a path forward for you to migrate from on-prem to the cloud and take advantage of some of the additional benefits that Windows 3, Microsoft 360, Azure Virtual Desktop brings to bear. Sorry, too many little acronyms in there. But this can be a great path forward for organizations that have already made that investment, but don't necessarily want to have to maintain physical infrastructure on-prem. Deployment and scale. Again, Microsoft has data centers across multiple regions, many countries, which makes it really easy to support different geographic environments and different maybe user communities in different countries across the globe. With an Azure environment, we have an easy mechanism to support that. We also have our Azure management portal. 
And this is important because it helps ensure that regardless of whether you're deploying Azure Virtual Desktop, whether you're deploying a virtual machine, whether you're deploying a firewall, whether you're deploying anything in Azure, it's a common interface. Even while there might not be a great deal of comfort or existing expertise around Azure Virtual Desktop, from a deployment perspective, the look and feel is going to be very similar because it's all tied into that, that Azure management portal. We're able to leverage security compliance components, both built into Windows and natively in Azure. And then for those organizations that might have specific use cases or might have existing investments in, in third-party products, there's a rich ecosystem of extensibility as well. So a number of those products, whether from Lakeside Labs or, I forget the print one, any of those types of applications, they can often be integrated as well. If they support your remote desktop services, your Citrix Zen or VMware Horizon environment today, there's a very good likelihood that they will also support Azure Virtual Desktop as we've been out for a couple of years now, and most of those vendors have upgraded their product to support the new AVD environment as well. The reason we look to build on Azure, some of this noted in the last slide. So it's really around standardization, globalization, and security. And so one of the key benefits of Azure is, regardless of where users reside, whether they're in Canada, the US, UK, Australia, you have consistent infrastructure available to you through Azure. And this helps ensure that you have a consistent end user experience, right? Everything is uniform across the board. We also have the ability to leverage things like containers or microservices or other serverless platform solutions that help us start to move away from things like virtual desk, virtual machines. And it give us that same ability to containerize, to minimize the amount of administration we need to deal with. But we can use to support that in AVD as well. But these are some of the benefits that we see with Azure. And it's moving away from traditional virtual machines and starting to take advantage of some of those new technologies that we have available to us to cut down on our administration. As mentioned, we have a global footprint, so regardless of where our users are, there is a local, an Azure data center, but as well as to be local to them. And Microsoft does have a fiber backbone across all the different Azure data centers. So even if the resources that the user is looking to connect to might be a little geographically distant from them, they're able to leverage Microsoft's Azure backbone environment to access across their dedicated connection versus just traversing the internet. And then lastly, from a security standpoint, so Microsoft has their Cyber Defense Operations Center. They have over 3,500 individuals who are solely focused on security. And they have make massive investments on an annual basis around cybersecurity. One of the challenges that we've often seen with organizations moving to the cloud, although I will say this has decreased over the last couple of years, is a lot of organizations have had concern around security, right? They want to be able to walk up, touch and feel something, um, they want to have complete control over it themselves. And there's a, a belief there that that provides a better level of security than they might with the cloud. In truth, one individual, no matter how skilled or how, how amazing they are, can't compete with what a security team of 3,500 professionals can do. The other benefit you're getting from a cloud solution is because Microsoft has such a broad presence on the internet, all the learnings that they take from their web properties and Xbox solutions and all those other cloud services that they have to support their own Microsoft business, also get leverage to support their Microsoft 365 and Azure solution. So there's a really robust security profile or component put in place, and it continues to evolve and grow without our needing to do anything about it. I don't know if it's still true, but I know in the last couple of years, Microsoft is the second most attacked organization on the internet behind the US Department of Defense. They have a ton of experience in supporting and protecting various cloud assets. So being able to leverage their expertise, their knowledge, and their tool sets to be able to support your own environment can often provide a far more secure solution than a specific individual or IT department might be able to do themselves. When we look at traditional BDI or, or RDS versus Azure Virtual Desktop, in a traditional model, 
we have a number of responsibilities, right? So we have our user entitlement. So what users accessing what resource, brokering services to make sure users are allocated correctly, image management, licensing, ongoing maintenance, all the underlying infrastructure, so network servers and storage, and then potentially hosting. By moving to a solution like Azure Virtual Desktop, we're offloading a number of those components to Microsoft. Right? We're only left with user entitlement and image management. And these are really the areas that truly matter. We want to make sure that the desktop meets our corporate criteria. We want to make sure that the right applications are installed and presented to the right users. And that's really about it. Anything that sits underneath that, if we can offload that to Microsoft, for example, it cuts down on the amount of administration required and makes deploying a VDI-style solution a lot more cost-effective of when we know that we're really only having to manage the components that are truly valuable to us while offloading the remainder. If we look at virtualization before Azure Virtual Desktop, we really only had two models available to us. So one was Server 2019 or 22 Desktop Experience. It did give us that multi-user capability, but because it was a server-based operating system, we had some constraints. And so we could leverage multiple users, but we were down to Windows 32-based apps, or Win32 apps, rather. And we had to look at things like Office Perpetual, right? So we couldn't actually use the Microsoft 365 licensing that a number of us have made investments into. We also were tied to long-term servicing channels. So being a server-based operating system, we're typically only seeing a refresh every three years ago, three years or so, that introduces new functionality. If we flip to the other side where we have Windows 10 or 11, now this is our modern Windows experience, right? So this is traditionally, it's a single user scenario, so much like Windows 365, where we have that one-to-one mapping. But we have a lot more flexibility. So we can leverage both Win32 and UWP-based apps. We can leverage our Microsoft 365 cloud-based licensing for Microsoft Office. And because it is a cloud-based operating system, we're getting refreshes on a far more regular basis to introduce additional features and functions to the OS. Now that we have Azure Virtual Desktop, we're really taking the best of both worlds. So we're still providing that modern desktop experience, but providing it in a multi-session scenario. So you know we can support either Windows 10 or 11, we can stack multiple users, depending on what makes sense for the organization based off the application requirements. We can support a wide range of application types. We can still leverage our Microsoft 360 licensing and the feature benefits of that, that faster channel release. So this is really our best of breed solution. That's taking all the benefits that we had with Windows Server, all the benefits we had with Windows native single session desktop experience and combining them into a cohesive whole. With Azure Virtual Desktop deployment, and we have a lot more customization because again, this is a solution that's actually built inside of our Azure tenant that is under our control. And so we have a lot more flexibility in how we actually provision or, or create our environment. From a com compute perspective, naturally we can deploy in any region with that Microsoft supports. And we have the ability to either lift and shift existing infrastructure or images and such, or we can build that new and build a greenfield environment leveraging some of Microsoft's gallery-based images. But we also have the ability to support both personal and pooled virtual machines. Personal being that one-to-one -one and pooled being that one-to-many. User profiles, as we touched on previously, you know, we have faster login and application loss times because we leverage a technology called FS Logics. And FS Logics is what actually allows us to take all that user profile information and store it in a standalone disk so that it's attached as part of the login experience. For those user profile disks, we've got a number of different places where we can store them. Azure files, NetApp files, or file server clusters. And then from an application perspective, one of the other benefits that FS Logics brings to the table is what's called app masking. So where historically, unless we're using something like SCCM or Intune to manage all our application publishing that way, historically, we would need to build images to support different user communities. With Azure Virtual Desktop, we have the ability to overload a single image. So we would create one image, we would load 
every application that the organization needs across varying departments. And then we can leverage app masking to hide the applications that are not applicable to a specific user community. So this allows us from an administration perspective to make life easier because we only have one image that we're having to maintain. But we're also ensuring that we're complying with our licensing requirements. So we can ensure that only licensed users see a given application. And we also avoid any sort of end user frustration or confusion by seeing a bunch of applications that they're not entitled to or don't know how to use. So it gives a far more elegant solution to our end users while still allowing us to work from a single image. Compute. So as mentioned, we have both personal and pooled desktops. So personal desktop, like I said, this is going to be very similar to what we would see in Windows 365. It's that one-to-one -one scenario. It's really designed for users who have heavy performance issues. So maybe they require you know, a dedicated GPU. Maybe they're running SAP or AutoCAD or Pro Engineer or Rivet or any of these types of CAD-CAM type applications that have a resource requirements. And we know that we need all the resources available to a virtual machine to support that use case. We then have that personal desktop experience to ensure that however we provision that desktop, how many CPU cores, how much memory, all that's always going to be available to that one specific user. We also have pooled desktops, and this is where the majority of our user community sits. Personal desktops are typically a one-off scenario where we're meeting a specific business need. But the real value of Azure Virtual Desktop is our pooled desktop model, where we can support single session, sorry, multi-sessions with light to medium workloads, even some heavy workloads, which are we typically have to stack less users on a given desktop, but we have the ability then to scale and to build out the environment that to support a broad range of users, right? Rather than building a one-to-one -one scenario, as I mentioned in my previous example, with our hundred users, with Windows 365 or with personal desktops, we're dealing with a hundred desktops we need to support. With pooled, we have the ability to scale based off of what we need. We can either scale up or we can scale out. So let's say that we take the same hundred users you know, the example I gave, we could take 10 users per pool desktop. And so we're supporting those 100 users with 10 desktops. We also can scale and say, you know, we only want five users per desktop or 10 users per desktop. Oh, where are you at 10? We want five users per desktop. And now we're dealing with double the number of desktops. We can scale based off of what the specific needs are. And we have a lot more flexibility in how we actually deploy instead of a pooled environment. From an architecture perspective, um, so looking on the right-hand side, you can see there's certain elements that you're responsible for, but a lot of the underlying infrastructure is managed by Microsoft. Right? So you're responsible for your desktops, for your applications, management policies. Again, the things that are truly adding value and are important to your business, while you're allowing Microsoft to manage the remainder. So in Azure Virtual Desktop Services, we have things like our clients and management and diagnostics, brokers, gateways, load balancing, all these pieces that are really important to ensure a positive end user experience. But it's not something we necessarily want to have to manage. And so being able to offload that to Microsoft to support, where they're basically providing the access into our own tenant and our actual desktop, it cuts down the amount of administration we need to worry about. And then naturally, Microsoft is also providing all the underlying infrastructure, compute storage and networking through their Azure solution. Quickly going through some of the list on the left-hand side there. So we talked customer managed. It's really the key components that are unique to you or specific to your business. We have the ability to tie into on-prem environments. So either through Express Router, through VPN, now we can spin up our virtual desktop in Azure, but maybe we still have a number of server environments that are sitting in an on-premises scenario where we haven't moved them to the cloud for one reason or another, and we can support that model. We leverage Azure Active Directory identities for initial login, and we'll also tie into Active Directory credentials where appropriate. We can leverage things like System Center Configuration Manager, SCM, or Intune. So if you're already using those today to support your environment, 
for patching, for application deployment, or any of those types of processes. The Azure Virtual Desktop scenario can be baked into that as well. So you can continue to support all of your users in a common fashion using the tools you're already comfortable with. And then for non-Windows operating systems, we do have SDKs available to help support those environments as well. So from a user connection flow perspective, so this ties into, I mentioned, one of the key things that you can do is take your existing remote desktop services, server farm from on-prem and move to the cloud, right? And often the question would be, why would we want to do that? We look at the connection flow. So when a user is going to establish a connection to Azure Virtual Desktop, the agent on the user machine itself will engage with the service. It will authenticate and validate the user based off of their Azure AD credentials. Azure AD will then return what that user is authorized for. We then will present the options to that user and the user will then connect to the gateway and then the broker manages the whole connection. The key thing here is with a traditional remote desktop services environment, we typically have to open up port 3389 in our firewall. We know we've seen denial of service attacks. We've seen other challenges with that. It is a security risk opening up a port into our environment in that fashion. With Azure Virtual Desktop, and this is true whether we are providing server-based virtual desktops through RDS or the Windows 10 or 11-based client desktops, there's no firewall ports to open. This leverages a reverse connect methodology where a user will connect to Azure, will authenticate to Azure, and then Azure will present back to that user the resources that are available to them. And so in the client, you're authenticating. Azure will come back and say, here's the desktops you have access to. Here's the applications you have access to and allow you to launch that way. So there's no requirement to open up the firewall. This is one of the reasons why it makes it a lot of sense for Microsoft to manage all those sort of DMZ type components, right? Web accessing gateways and brokers and such. Now, we're not having to worry about firewall rules or risk or exposure. Now, we're letting Microsoft manage all of that, including all the brokering, to get us to the right endpoint based off of the user requirements. And then we just have our own internal environment that we're going to support. We talked a little bit about FS Logics profiles. This is really the magic sauce that makes Azure Virtual Desktop a great solution to support a number of business use cases. As noted, user profiles are stored in a stem, stem my God, I can't speak, download PhD. So there's a couple of different benefits to this. So one, as I mentioned, because everything that's tied to that specific user is in a standalone DHD, it makes it very easy for login, right? That disk gets mounted at the login as part of the login process. Size of the profile doesn't matter anymore. So you could have somebody with a 50 meg mailbox. You could have somebody with a 500 gig mailbox. Their login time is going to be the same because you're only attaching that external disk that has that specific user's OST file. We also have things like Windows Cache Manager that we can use. So if we do lose access to that virtual, that profile disk for whatever reason, the session will continue to run. But because everything that's unique to the user is being redirected, even though it does appear seamless to the operating system, to the applications, to the user themselves, they have no idea that their profile is actually stored external to that session. But the nice thing is when we look at things like backup, because all of our desktops are identical within a pool, we only really need to back up one desktop and then we need to back up the disk that has all of our user profile information because that's all that's required to rebuild our entire environment, right? All of our desktops are identical. Everything that's unique is in that, that user profile information. And so it can make it very easy to support and easy to recover should that ever become necessary. One of the other things Azure Virtual Desktop or ABD allows us to do is integrate with things like Citrix or VMware. So if you've already made investments in Citrix Cloud or VMware Horizon, you don't need to throw those by the wayside. You can leverage Azure Virtual Desktop as an extension where you can do things like take advantage of Azure Virtual Desktop's multi-session scenario 
right? Being able to stack multiple users and use that within a Citrix or VMware environment. So we can leverage existing investments you've made, but start to introduce some of the advanced capabilities and benefits that Azure Virtual Desktop brings to bear. So that's a review of Azure Virtual Desktop. Now let's talk about choosing the best option. So we have three different paths available to us and what the right path forward is. We have Windows 365, again, it's giving us that personalized cloud PC. It's a turnkey solution. Like I said, it's a couple of clicks. The desktop gets provisioned and the user can start accessing and working. It's a predictable per user per month price. Um, so you are basically taking a subscription license, the same as you would for Microsoft 365, you know, whether it's a M365 E3. It's the same sort of licensing model for Windows 365, where you pick the VM type that you want with a specific number of cores, memory, and storage. That gets allocated to the user. And then that's really your only cost per month. That one, sorry, single cost per month includes all of the VM resources, so CPU, memory, and storage, and everything else. It's a one-stop shop. So it makes it very easy to understand the cost of onboarding a new end user, because you know you just need to buy that one license to provide their virtual desktop experience. As noted, you can easily scale computer storage up or down as required. And because it is a SaaS solution that's largely managed, you really don't need VDI experience or skills. You're leveraging the Windows 365 website. It's a very simple interface to, to give you the functionality you need, or you're leveraging existing investments you've made in things like Endpoint Manager. That's a very streamlined, very simple process. Azure Virtual Desktop is built around flexibility and control, right? It's scenarios where either we have heavy dependencies on-prem environments still, or we have strict requirements or want a measure of control over how the environment is managed and how it's run and what that consists of. And Azure Virtual Desktop gives us that flexibility. We also have the ability to accept to support multi-session, and this can provide some pretty significant cost savings. Now, if you are a Monday to Friday, nine to five shop, um, like I said, you can basically tell Azure Virtual Desktop at 8 a.m., spin up all the desktops so that they're ready for users when they log in. And as of 6 p.m., let's start to spin them down. And we'll shuffle users to the one or two desktops we want to keep running. And we're going to shut all of the other Azure Virtual Desktop instances down so we're not paying for those Azure resources. We have that type of flexibility. We can actually support data residency and geographic requirements. One of the other key benefits that we've talked about is remote app streaming. And this is it can be hugely valuable for organizations who, again, maybe don't want to publish an entire desktop to the user. Maybe they only want to provide a specific application because well, that application might be sensitive to latency, right? And so having your client and server in, in different locations can pose a challenge. Moving that client server to Azure and presenting just the application to the desktop helps ensure that you're going to have a positive end user experience because your client and server are actually sitting side by side. It's only the screen refreshes for that application that they present it back to you. Right, so we get a lot more flexibility with Azure Virtual Desktop. And then as noted, if we are an existing Citrix or VMware BDI customer, we can continue to less leverage that existing investment and just enhance it with some of the additional capabilities Azure Virtual Desktop brings to bear. So if we summarize on choosing the right solution, again, this is going to be very tailored to your organization and your specific need. But if you want desktop as a service, you just, you want to spin up desktops, you want a turnkey solution, you want to spend 30 seconds in getting a user provisioned and then be able to walk away and not have to worry about it. That's Windows 365. You don't need skills from a BDI perspective. Microsoft is managing the entire environment. Um, you can pick or choose between business or enterprise, again, depending on the size of the business and the complexity, but it makes it very easier to the turnkey solution. If instead you want things like remote app streaming or that multi-session experience or hybrid cloud or low usage scenarios, where again, we can scale infrastructure down substantially, so we're only paying bare minimum. This is the type of flexibility that we have with Azure Virtual Desktop. 
there is going to be a higher level of skill necessary to support this. It is a full-blown VDI environment. You do have some benefit from it being a cloud from a management perspective. Microsoft makes managing things a little bit easier, but there still needs to be a baseline understanding of how VDI works, as well as because this is Azure-based. You actually also need to have Azure skills as well. But you're, by investing in that, you're getting advantage of all the different flexibility. So those are our top two scenarios. Our bottom would be personalized persistent desktops. So this, again, is that one-to-one -one scenario right, where every user has their own specific desktop. If that's the use case you're trying to meet, then the answer can really vary, right? Both Windows 365 or Azure Virtual Desktop can meet that needs. Often what we would see is the path for that is going to be dictated by what you picked above, right? If you decided desktop as a service was right for you and Windows 365 was your solution, chances are all of your persistent desktops are going to leverage that. Similarly, if you picked Azure Virtual Desktop, it's the right solution, but you have those specific users who need a dedicated desktop. We would just continue to leverage Azure Virtual Desktop and extend it to support that use case as well. So there's really no sort of one size fits all or one right answer. Like I said, a lot of it really comes down to what you're trying to achieve from a business perspective and what's going to provide you the best overall end result. And that's a wrap for today's What the Tech episode. We hope you enjoy diving into Azure Virtual Desktop and Windows 365. It's fascinating how these solutions are changing the game in desktop management. It's a must listen for anyone navigating the ever expanding world of cloud management. So mark your calendars and join us for another exciting tech adventure. Until then, stay curious, stay tech savvy, and stay tuned to What the Tech.